Well, whatever the three of us get together, you can always count on a lot of things talked about, and that's what we just got for you today. So much to get to with Emory Jones, Ben, Brian, Bearcats in the NFL Draft, C.J. Frederick, and that most underrated distinction. When I saw that distinction earlier this week, I said to myself, I have to get the opinions of Zach Fries and Sean McMahon about that. So that is why, for one reason why, they join me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. Zach Fries, of course, you you know him from his his podcast, the Freeze Frame Podcast, the Rally Pod Podcast he does with um, his co-host and uh, our former staff member and co-host Elliot Rearing and Sean McMahon, who these days is a producer at iHeartMedia Cincinnati and my former successor at Bearcast Media Sports Director. Gentlemen, we got plenty to get to today. I mean, we can... I, 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 there is probably a topic A, as Lance McAllister would say, but like I feel like there's so much to get to that, I mean, we could go anywhere with this, but uh, allow me, I, I haven't even introduced myself yet. I'm Alex Frank, your host of Locked On Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And I, gentlemen, do you think I need to, some some episodes you don't hear the intro. Do you think I need, do you think this is one of those where I don't need to play the intro video? I say, Frank, it's your show. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, is that, is that going to, I don't know. Are your, I think we're going to try viewers? and not. Let's, we're going to try. I didn't even – sorry for – No, I was just going to say, are your regular viewers going to be thrown off by a lack of intro? That would be a question for, for you. Uh, well, we'll you gotta have you got to have a bumper somehow. Yeah. We'll see what they say. So you're saying, Sean, I should. I think so, just coming from a production standpoint. All right. Well, that's that's a good producer's mindset. So here you go. For you viewers, here's the intro. Our Locked On Bearcats. Your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, Sean, iHeartMedia Cincinnati, you would refer to that as potentially a legal ID, station ID. I used to record those for the Reds games when I worked there, but uh, we're here. We're ready to go. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You're on YouTube. We don't have a title sponsor today, so I don't have to worry about that. But anyway, I'm going to open the floor for you guys. Excuse me. Like, what right now, when you when you think of the Cincinnati Bearcats, football and men's basketball, on this Wednesday, April 26th, we are 129 days away from the Bearcats' first football game at Historic Nippert Stadium under Scott Satterfield and his Big 12 members. We are a few more weeks and months from the first men's basketball game as Big 12 members of the third. What is the biggest, what's the big storyline right now surrounding the Bearcats? If you had to say. Well, Alex, at the, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, it's on this, what will be tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Today's Tuesday, but tomorrow is National Hug in Australian Day. So I'd love to give Mason Fletcher a hug. Um, but anyway. <laughs> is, it really, is it really? Yeah. And, and um, But anyway, yeah, I, I think we're just, I, I think where we're at right now, I think excitement, like I think we're still – I think people, there are people concerned about like the up, like the level up in competition and 
it's going to be a challenge, right? Going to the Big 12. But, you know, we, we know that going in. But I still think there is a level of excitement, right? Like, we're getting closer, you know. We, we, should be throwing a, we should be throwing a parade on July 1st. We're free of the American, right? And I think both, I think both uh, sports, like football and basketball, are in intriguing, like, interesting positions because I just feel like – we won't really know until we know. Like, I think football, you look right now, yeah, they're, they're, they've got a lot of work to do in the portal. they got to get depth, um, especially at receiver and offensive line. But, I mean, I, I, I've always said, like, I hope I hope we can finish six and six. Like, that would be – I'd be okay with that. But, you know, if things maybe bounce our way, I don't think our schedule's terribly difficult. We can win seven, eight games, I guess. But um, that would probably be on the optimistic end. Uh, and then basketball, I mean, look, we'll, we'll get in, we'll delve into the portal. I'm a little bit, I, I've kind of taken a different stance on, I'm not as concerned just looking at this league team by team. Sure. It's going to be hard. And yeah, it's like, we're going from the American to the big 12, which is going to be the best league. But I think you look at some of these other teams, there's a handful of teams, like, you know, maybe four or five teams where I don't think we're all that far off from, I don't think there's a huge difference between us maybe UCF, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Yeah, it, like I think if you put, you know, five, those five teams or maybe throw, te- you know, Texas Tech too, um, I don't think there's a ton of separation. So I just think we're we're at a I'm, – I'm, I'm at an excite- – my excitement levels are high. I'm not too, like, concerned yet. I think that might come as we get closer and closer to the seasons, each respective season. But we know it's going to be a challenge, but this is great. This is this is the best thing for us and the best thing for our athletic department, not money included. You're going to get a hell of a lot more money, resources. So I'm counting down the days till July 1st. Sean? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Freeze there on a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, this is – this university has entered a lot of new territory in the last five years uh, when it comes to sports and – you know, now you're joining a major conference. Um, so I think the biggest storyline is kind of one that people aren't really talking about. And that's finding an identity within the Big 12. You know, this is, this isn't a mid-major conference anymore. You know, Cincinnati's never been in a major conference. You know, they've, they've been, they've had some really good teams in within mid-major conferences. Like, you know, when they were ranked number one in basketball 20, you know, 20 years ago with Kenyon Martin, and that kind of stuff, but this is totally new territory. Um, so you have new head coaches still in place. You know, Wes Miller's entering year three. He's still a young coach overall in terms of his age and in terms of uh, in terms of his coaching career at Cincinnati. Um, you have Scott Satterfield, who is fresh into the program, uh, coming out of Louisville. Which, all respect to the Louisville Cardinals, you know their program just operates completely differently from how. Cincinnati does. It's not the same. You don't have the same people in place. I think one thing that Cincinnati's learned with a lot of the recent success that they've gotten is how to sort of say yes to things that coaches ask for. Um, I I actually watched uh, an interview that was done with um, that was done with uh, James Franklin at Penn State, and he talked about how you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and programs that people don't know about. And one of those things is getting administrators to say yes to the things that, you know, you want and you need to, in order to better your program. 
And Cincinnati has kind of stepped up in doing that uh, in the last five, six years, 10 years, yeah. you know, however far back you want to go. It's been a, it's been a learning curve. Um, but finding an identity within the Big 12 is going to be really hard because, again, new new head coaches, it's, it's establishing a totally new culture. Um, you know, you're with a, you're with different schools now. Um, you look at Scott Satterfield and, and what he's done so far, you know, a lot of Louisville fans are like, you know, yeah, you can have him. And a lot of Cincinnati fans feel like he's Tommy Tuberville 2.0. And I think nobody's right, uh, until we see results proven on the field over the next few years. And with Wes Miller, you know, it's, it's more so he's, he's still putting together his program. You know, it, it takes time, even in the transfer portal era, it can take time, uh, especially if you're not one of those big brand, uh, you know, you're not Texas or you're not Oklahoma or Alabama or Georgia, you know, one of those schools that can just sort of yeah. pick whoever they want. You know, you have to be strategic if you're a school like Cincinnati. Um, so I think finding an identity is going to be kind of top priority because you know, I, I look back at when I was a freshman coming into Cincinnati uh, back in 2018, the basketball identity was very well established. Mick Cronin was still the head coach. Um, Cincinnati was very much a basketball school. Luke Fickle was only entering his second year, and this was before you know, he established the culture that he had. He was coming off four and eight season and eventually you know, kind of led the program to where it is today. Um, so it's, there's going to be a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces. Um, you're going to see a lot of things change around the university, uh, especially in the, in the athletic department. So um, it's just going to be an adjusting period for a while. And that's, that's just how it is. So, you know, we'll, we'll see yeah. where the, where the university, uh, where they go with it, hopefully in a positive direction. By the way, Zach, July 1st, 66 days away from today, April 26th, 66 days away is Cincinnati from getting officially into the Big 12. Sean, you bring up a great point there, and I talked about it a few weeks ago since the last time I had you guys on. Did Have you guys – because you – did you, Zach, I know you know Bill Cook. Sean, did you ever know Bill Cook when you were a student at Cincinnati? He covered – okay, so – No, sir. Bill Cook covered – uh, the Bearcats for GoBearcats.com, Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati Post. And on Facebook, I don't know if you guys still use Facebook, but um, most, not every day, but, but some days, if not most, he'll post something that happened at or around this day. And so one he was talking about how Cincinnati is finally, you know, well, he didn't say this, but like he brought up the point how this have essentially been nomads in terms of, excuse me, their conference affiliation. The Bearcats have played, excuse me, this will be their fifth conference in the last 35 years. 35 years. Like, when I think about that, I, I don't know how many teams can say they've done that. Great Midwest Conference USA, Big East, American, now Big 12. And so I think about the Bearcats are finally going to be in a stable conference home. I think that's so important for them. On to your point, you think about all the strides and yeses and just breakthroughs that this athletic department has had, particularly from a football standpoint. And Zach, I think to your point, and both of you have said this, 
when you think about the adjustment that this team is going to have to make once they get to the Big 12, I wouldn't even worry about that. I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about how every road game is going to be probably a flight to outside of West Virginia. But that's okay because you're in the Big 12. You're not going to have games on ESPN Plus that nobody cares about. You're going to have games on ESPN, Fox, um, ESPN2, ABC, all the good networks. And so I understand that there might be some adjustments. But what I would, like Zach said, this has been years in the making. I mean, there are some Bearcats fans who might still say that 26, it should have happened in 2016. But it's happening now. And I think that that is what we should be focusing on. Not, well, look at, you know, we're going to suck next year or the offense isn't going to do anything in football because, you know, whatever. So what? You're in the Big 12. You're, 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 in, the, you're in the Power 5. What we've been dreaming of for so long. Sean, you mentioned your first year. My first year, Bearcats football was an afterthought. Someone, Sean, I think I've told you the story. Zach, maybe I have you told you as well. But there are two students who walked by me on campus one day at CCM Circle. And they joked, college football playoff, here we come. And I'm like, if only that was actually true. Well, I'll fast forward four years later, your senior year, Sean, Zach, one year after we graduated. <laughs> look what happened. So that and all of the 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 renovations to Nippert and Fifth Third, the new football facility, it's all it's all coming together. The the passion of the fan base is off the charts. The university off the charts. That's why they're here in the Big Twelve. Now Let's go to football because I think that's what everybody's focusing on. We'll get to CJ Frederick here in a minute. But in terms of in terms of Emory Jones still here, Ben Bryant entering the transfer portal. Like, how are we feeling about Ben Bryant entering the portal? Is there a chance he comes back? How do we feel if Emory Jones is the starter? Where, where like what are our thoughts right now on the on these two quarterbacks, guys? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think I'll start with Emory Jones, I guess. I mean, I don't think Emory Jones transferred here to not be the starter. And I think that was kind of the expectation. So it's a lot harder. It would be a lot harder for him to enter the transfer portal um, as opposed to Ben Bryant. Um, with with Ben Bryant, I think it's just he's keeping his options open. Right. And I, I respect it. I mean, he's this is his last ride of college football and. You know, we we saw him. He was at Eastern Michigan to kind of get it, get the starter experience, and then he came back because he, he knew you know he was going to probably start. Um, and now he's looking for another opportunity to start, and it, it very well still could be at Cincinnati. You know, I think um, he's going to do his due diligence on multiple schools and see if there's a spot open for him to that he can win the job at. Um, which it, I think is uh, I, I respect it from from Ben Bryant. As for Emory Jones, I mean I don't know Alex. You were um, you kind of got the first look at the spring game, and for all intents and purposes, I think there was some there were some good things that um, he did. But you know I, I still worry a little bit about him as a passer. I mean I think he's a pretty good athlete. Um, we, we saw him play well at at Florida two years ago, but um, last year was kind of a disaster. Some of it. You know, not entirely his fault, but I mean, as a passer, I would be a little bit 
Um, maybe a little concerned, but then again, like if, if it's his job, like he's going to get, I think he'll get every opportunity to, to start it, it. It'll be his, you know, it'll be his spot. So um, we'll, we'll see with Emory Jones. I, I want to, I'm not a, a thousand percent confident, like rolling in with him as the starter, but I guess he could always change my mind. Sean. Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with Ben Bryant. Um, and, and here's the thing about the transfer portal. Um, he, he may not go anywhere. He hasn't announced that he's going to land somewhere, at least at the moment that we're talking right now. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to enter the transfer portal and then they'll take their name back out. I'm not saying Ben Bryant's going to do that. I'm not saying he's not going to transfer. I'm not saying he is. We don't know yet until he says something about where he intends to go, whether that's coming back to Cincinnati or going to another school. We don't know. Um, For all intents and purposes, it kind of looks like he will be going somewhere else, especially with the amount of competition he'll be facing, not just with Emory Jones, but with Evan Prater, with even Brady Lichtenberg. I'll throw Brady Lichtenberg into the mix as well, because he's been at Cincinnati now for, I think this is his third year, his third season coming up. Uh, So you're going to have him competing for the job. Um, And I do agree with with, uh, Zach that I think Emory Jones kind of came in sort of more or less assuming that he would become the starter. And I I get it. You know, you're coming from a big school like Florida. Um, You know, granted, he kind of played under Anthony Richardson, but he played well a couple of years ago. Um, You know, last year was, I want to say a fluke um, because, you know, again, you have a first year head coach, you're going to have a lot of turnover and it's not going to go well nine times out of 10, unless you're Lincoln Riley. That's an exception to the rule um, at USC. But, um, yeah, I, I, I completely would understand if Emory Jones came in with the mindset of, well, I'm going to get the job. But he's going to have to work for it because this may not be an offense that suits him. We don't know. Uh, I don't know the X's and O's of Scott Satterfield's offense, but I kind of get the gist of it. Um, and I, I think Emory Jones could be that kind of quarterback that could fit that system really well. Evan Prater might fit it really well. Um, there's a lot of questions about Evan Prater uh, from the fan base. Uh, but obviously the fan base has no influence on who starts. It's ultimately up to the head coach. Um, so the quarterback situation is still interesting. Um, I think really, no matter who you go with, I think you have a good starter, regardless of who you go with. And even if that doesn't work out, you got a few other guys who might fit the system better. So right now, Cincinnati's in a really good situation in terms of the quarterback room. Um, and I'm not saying that's going to translate to a 10-win season necessarily, um, but it could translate to potential future options. And, you know, maybe looking ahead to future seasons, how you can build a team around the quarterback you ultimately end up going with, whether that's Emory Jones this year or Evan Prater, Brady Lichtenberg, or potentially Brady Drogosh in the future. So um we'll see but this is a good spot to be in for cincinnati yeah. competition is a good thing it brings out the best in players it, it, and here's the other thing too if you're a player who's not willing to compete for the job maybe you weren't really meant to be there to begin with you know it, you can't always take the easy way out you got to work for what you want um so p- to the people who think it's a bad situation to be in it's very much the opposite it is always a good thing to have options um, and if your options leave, 
that's a good thing because I'm not saying it's, you know, you want those guys to be gone, but that just proves that you have a very competitive uh, culture or a very competitive team. So that's pretty much my thoughts on the, on the quarterback room. It is to your point, Sean, that I keep thinking about Evan Prater and where he stands in this because he hasn't had the kind of career so far that we thought or hoped he would have. But there's still that opportunity for him to learn and to work towards being the starter. And I think a lot of that is now because of Brian not being here. I think Ben Bryan, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, I and I said it yesterday, I think Ben Bryan was a distraction for Evan Prater at the most critical juncture of his Bearcats career. Because... There are there are those who say, well, Ben, well, Evan Prater never performed well at practice. Well, maybe because that's because there was pressure put on him by the fact that Ben Bryan transferred back. I think when the Cotton Bowl ended, there was this thought of that Evan Prater was going to be the starter. That never happened, obviously. And I think when we look at this quarter this quarterback room, Emory Jones. We talk about stable foundation that the Bearcats program is. Well, this is really the first time Emory Jones is going to have that in his in, since probably 2020. Think about it. Florida in 21. That, te- that program was headed for a train wreck. Dan Mullen was fired before the season ended. 2022. Same deal. Herm Edwards. Gone. So... He hasn't really had the opportunity to play with, with a program that is in good standing. They're, the Bearcats aren't firing Satterfield after year one. If there's anyone out there who thinks it's a possibility, sorry, that's not happening. So that does play in Emory Jones's favor. And Zach, to answer your question, when I saw him at the spring game, I liked what I saw. I was a little nervous because I had been hearing that Ben Bryan had been throwing the ball better But what I saw from Emory Jones was a quarterback who made smart decisions, made some good throws down the field. He had two non-red zone touchdown passes, which is always good. I liked what I saw from Emory Jones. All right, we got to switch gears. We got to go to the hardwood. C.J. Frederick announcing his commitment to Cincinnati as a transfer. We'll get Zach his thoughts as well as Sean's. Plus, most underrated, that distinction. That was a long first segment. That's okay. We're having fun here today. We'll get into all of that after I explain to you all how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Built. You got to try this. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real, real dark chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. That probably could have just replaced the Boston Cream Donut I ate. And... They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. And now, you don't need to wait around. Or actually, here's the best part about Built Bars. I'm not sure how Built does this, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. While you can still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. That's right. If head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, 
double chocolate or coconut puff, cookies and cream, and double chocolate or bars. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box. Our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Locked On's NFL Mock Draft is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams. First pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zach Fries and Sean McMahon back here with me. Alex Frank right here on Locked On Bearcats. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. NFL Draft starts tomorrow. We'll get to that towards the end. C.J. Frederick, though, making headlines around Clifton, committing to Cincinnati after spending two seasons at the University of Kentucky. I think that's what's so significant here, guys, about C.J. Frederick. He's from Kentucky. This isn't some, like, Kalua Zikpe transferring in from Old Dominion. No, this is a guy transferring in from Kentucky. That has to matter here, right? No question, yeah. C.J. Frederick not only played at Kentucky the last the last year because he was out um, the year before that, but played at Iowa and was really, really good at, uh, at Iowa for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, look, I think this is a good get for Cincinnati. I think um, he is—he's uh, what they need in terms of a shooter. I know he didn't shoot it particularly well last year, but I think he was nicked up. I think that had an effect on. It. I think he was playing injured uh, at times, uh, but he's a good shooter. Like he—he's a really good three-point shooter. They need that. Um, the qu- the question is—is is just health health-wise. He has had a myriad of injuries for the last through the past five years, you know, and, and some of it's been fluky, right? There, there've been some fluky injuries in there, but health is going to be the, the, the biggest thing. But if he is, and if he's healthy, this is a, this is a good get. I mean, he is, um, he's what they needed because they just don't have a lot of shooting on this team. You're losing Landers Nolly and without good of a shooter, David DeJulius turned into last year, you lose that too. So um, this is what they needed. Um, and like Alex said, he's, has the experience he's he's been around and played in sec environments and big 10 environments and that's you know another another really good thing um so i i like this i, I think this is a good get i don't know if he's like a, a top of the roster guy um on in a on a big 12 team but i, I think he he fits pretty well and i, I think he's a um a, a, he fills a need for this for this team John. Yeah, and on, on top of that, um, Wes Miller beat out a lot of big-time schools to get C.J. Frederick, uh, which I think shows a very high level of commitment from Wes Miller's end, which I think the three of us knew was always there. Um, you know, Not that C.J. Frederick is, is some huge, big name like Oscar Shibway or something, but it's still a pretty darn good get. I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at for sure. I mean, you look at his stats from last year. He shot 6.1 points. Uh, He averaged 6.1 points from the field. Um, He had one and a half assists, and he shot about 35%. And again, some of that kind of comes back to the plethora of injuries that he's kind of gone through. And I hate to use the the term injury prone because everybody's injury prone. Everybody's capable of getting injured. Um, He's just been injured more times than probably the average athlete, I would say, Um, or more ideally – He's been injured more often than people would, you know, than you would like to see. Um, but that's something he can't totally help. Um, so you can't hold that against him. But I, I think this shows a level of seriousness, dedication from Wes Miller. And I think it's kind of proving to the fan base, like, you know, hey, 
I'm dead serious about this program. I want to win and, you know, look at who I'm trying to go get, look at what I'm trying to do in the recruiting world and in the transfer world. And uh, I think CJ Frederick is, is a big, big time get. Um, also on top of that about CJ Frederick, his dad is actually one of my superiors at iHeart, Joe Frederick. Nice. How about that? Yeah. So he's, um, his, his office is actually right around the corner from the, uh, from the studios. So he's, you know, about a stone's throw, about a stone's throw away. So it's kind of cool. He's going to have his kid playing yeah. for, for his hometown team. So I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. And that last point is what I love most about this. Uh, him being uh, from Covington Catholic High School. I mean, maybe this is a sign of things to come this week. Maybe the Bengals end up drafting Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and come Cath, uh this week. But I think his shooting, his shooting prowess, the fact that, Zach, as you mentioned, he's played in the SEC and Big Ten environments. I think this is exactly what you want if you're the Cincinnati Bearcats. This is a guy who's, who's a veteran. You need that you know shooter to replace Landers Nolly, maybe even Jeremiah Davenport a little bit. And... For what it's worth, the first time I ever saw C.J. Frederick play was at the United Center in Chicago when the Bearcats played Iowa in that legend showcase. He led Iowa in scoring that night with 21 points. I believe he started that game. So, And I said to myself, I think I said to myself, if only we could get a player like that on the Bearcats. And sure enough, now the Bearcats have him. And to your point, Sean, the fact that he – you know, chose Cincinnati over schools like Xavier, Oregon. That speaks volumes to the program and what Wes Miller is building here. Now, recently I saw this distinction. I saw this distinction about the Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball program. And it was from college basketball content, but courtesy of my AI, Snapchat my AI. <laughs> And it listed the Bearcats as the most underrated. Is the most underrated. Are we in agreement on that? Do we disagree on that? Because I, I, I think about this. Underrated means you're having success, but no one's really looking at you. If you want to talk about that, that would be Gonzaga. That would be Michigan State. Heck, UConn's won five national championships since 1999. The Bearcats have only been to four Sweet 16s since 1992. So are the Bearcats really the most underrated program, or is, are they actually something else? Let me let me say this, Alex. I, I, this AI is scaring me a little bit with all this is, <laughs> that's going on. All right. I don't know what, you know, AI. I will say that AI-generated song with Drake and we, The weekend's kind of a banger. Um, but That is uh, a good one. We're not, we're not the most underrated pro. I don't know what this, I don't know what this thing did. I don't know. The, the, your AI is broken. Like this AI is broken. <laughs> like I, yeah. I love Cincinnati basketball and I will die. Like if there are a million Cincinnati basketball fans, I'm one of them. If there are a hundred thousand, I'm one of them. If there's 20, I'm one of them. If there's zero, I'm dead. But there, we, we've made one sweet 16 in 20 years since 2001. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say we're overrated, but we're not. <laughs> we're certainly not underrated. Well, we got to make, we got to get to some second weekends here, Alex. Like, we can't, yeah. we're, like you said, like, I'm, like, Gonzaga was probably, I don't think they're underrated anymore just because I feel like it's just like Gonzaga, Gonzaga is pretty relevant now. 
I'm trying to think of an example of like an underrated program. Michigan State. Michigan State. People don't realize just like how many like they've made 15 Sweet 16s in the last 30 years or something, right, Alex? Something Villanova. like Villanova. Villanova, but even Villanova, they're almost they're damn near a blue blood. I would chop off a limb for five Sweet 16s in 30 years. Like I, San Diego State. We've made one in 20. We're we, like we can't be. Austin underrated doesn't fit. We got to get back to the NCAA. We haven't been in the tournament since 20, what, 2019? So I mm-hmm. guess we're yeah. in there, but hey, I, underrated, I, I don't know. And we're historically, we're a good program. Like we were with top 10, 15 and wins or something, top 20 and wins, or I don't know. But I think know, we're like, good. yeah, we're top 15, I believe. But you can't um, be under. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Sorry, you can't be underrated if you're making one Sweet 16 since 2002, right? Yeah. So we got to start. We got to start getting. We gotta, let's get a couple of sweet, a couple of more second weekends under our belt before we, uh, before we proclaim this AI is broken. I guess, but. Um, well, so yeah. hang on, Zach. You're saying that we shouldn't be considered underrated. You're saying that we're properly rated. Is that what you're saying? Um, I would, I mean, yeah, kind of properly rated. Yeah. Or do we okay. use the O? Not underrated. I would say we're not underrated. I, I don't think underrated is the right term. Okay. What do so, you guys think? Well, I guess when I looked, when I first saw that, that post, my thought was looking at the program from an all time standpoint. Okay. That's that was my perception because it's okay. it does say okay. it says it says best of all time and I'm pretty sure oh. it's referring to programs as a whole. Uh, and Cincinnati was uh, listed as underrated. I'm gonna pull this back up really quick. But Cincinnati was listed as underrated. I'm gonna find Alex's post that he sent it to me. Um, you have best of all time UCLA. I think no, that's pretty, no argument. Pretty hard to disagree with. Uh, player Michael Jordan. You know, okay. mid major, mid major Gonzaga. They're not um, a mid-major. What's that? They're not a mid-major if you think about it. Technically, they are, and I agree with the, I agree with that distinction. But if you think about Gonzaga, they're not a mid-major. It's a gray area. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty big gray area. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Go ahead, Sean. Um, or, you know, atmosphere. You have Duke Arena, yep. Syracuse. The best team of all time, according to the AI, is the 1991/92 Duke Blue Devils. Cinderella was the 84, 85 Villanova Wildcats. Um, so this is this is kind of an all-time thing. So I guess I can sort of see why it might say that because you look at Cincinnati's history and historically they are a very successful program. They have two national titles. Um, they have a, a pretty good, ch- I think they have six final four yeah. appearances. I think six is the number. Yep. Yeah, six final fours. So six final fours, which isn't a lot, but it's, you know, I mean, you get two national titles out of six appearances in the final four. It's, you know, 33%. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like Zach said, I mean, it's been a while since this team has even seen the tournament or won in the tournament. Um, you know, the last time Cincinnati won a game in the tournament was what would have been your guys' freshman year, the 2017-2018 season uh, when they won in the first round. That was the last time they won a tournament game. My freshman year, they didn't win a tournament game. In fact, in my four years at Cincinnati, who would have thought this? They didn't win an NCAA tournament game, not one. They only made the tournament one out of my four years at, at, at the University of Cincinnati, and they didn't win a game in that one year. They lost to Iowa in the first round. I remember because I was in Philadelphia 
watching that game in a bar with my brother, visiting him on spring break. And so it's it's tough because I think I can kind of see why it would say we're underrated because I think Cincinnati is a program that I don't want to say we're overlooked because that, I feel like that's kind of a biased thing to say. I think we are a pretty properly recognized program from the nation from the national standpoint. You know, we're not talked about like Duke or UConn or Villanova because we're not part of that company. We're, we are not in the same company as those teams that have won very a lot of national championships and very recently they have a lot of recent success which is why they're getting talked about you know if say cincinnati won those two national titles instead of in 61 and 62 and then proceeded to go to a third one where they lost to loyola chicago in 63 say that was in the last 25 years this program would be talked about at a different level than it is it's only because you just it's it was a totally different era of basketball it's a totally new audience you know, and so I, I guess my thing is I'm I'm a little I guess I'm kind of with Zach on this one. Um, you know, I I only reposted it because I think it's kind of cool. You know, it's it was a national Instagram basketball page, um, and you always like to flaunt your school wherever you can. But uh, I would say Cincinnati's kind of a pretty properly rated um, school. You know, people say and they go, oh yeah, like I you know I know Cincinnati is like a pretty good basketball program historically because everybody remembers the Kenyon Martin days and and the old C Paul logo, not just the new one, not the one that's right here. Everybody knows the old C Paul logo. You know, if you ever played College Slam on the uh, on the Super Nintendo, Cincinnati was on that game, and it's it's just one of those. Tupac was wearing a shirt with the old yeah. C Paul. I mean, come on, like, you yeah. Know. So there's plenty of recognition to go sure. around. It's it's just that the only thing that they're missing is recent success in the last 20 years. Like Zach said, you have one Sweet 16. There, that is that's not much to brag about. You can barely beat your own crosstown rival. As much as I hate to say it, you can barely beat them in this century. Sure. And it's heartbreaking. It's tough. You know, it's it's like you want to flaunt your program, but then you look at the recent history and you go, oh, yeah, we're kind of lacking there. So. It's 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 all subjective is basically what it comes down to. It's all totally subjective, but I think Cincinnati is sitting in its rightful place in the college basketball atmosphere. I don't know what the word I'm yeah. looking for is um, hierarchy. You know, you know, hierarchy. Yeah, they're sitting they're sitting exactly where they should be. I think so. That's my take on it. I I think you bring up a great point there, both of you, about properly rated because. I, I don't want to say this program is overrated because you go to 23 NCAA tournaments in a 28-year span, you're doing something right. But in a sport where there's so much parity, and how do I know there's so much parity? Well, the best program that this affiliation listed, UCLA, they've won 11 national championships. Do you know when they last won a national championship, any one of you? 1995. 1995. Oh, beat me to it. Okay. So UCLA hasn't won a national title in 28 years. Kentucky's only won one since 98 after winning two in 96 and then in 98. I mean, Kansas is the winningest program in college basketball history right now. Well, they've lost in the first weekend six times in the last 13 years. And if you're Cincinnati, you can only get to one sweet 16 with all that parity in 22 years. Like that's where that's because I value March Madness success in a sport where there's so much parity and it allows you to have it. I mean, I look at schools like Princeton and Fairleigh Dickinson and St. Peter's has been – St. Peter's and Cincinnati have been to the same number of Sweet 16s in the last 22 years. 
FAU has more final has the same final four appearances. Who? FAU, Miami, and San Diego State all have the same number of final four appearances that Cincinnati does in the Sweet 16. That's incredible to think about. It really is, Sean. That's a great point. Now, I, I, I think it's so – this is a fascinating time for the program and also a pivotal time. And I think this yeah. – you've got a 10- to 15-year stretch in a program or a franchise's history that defines who you are, and the Bearcats' defining stretch was the Huggins years. Now, your identity can change. We've seen that with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. But if you're a Cincinnati basketball, like, you're good, but – when the chips when the chips go down get thrown down in March, more often than not, you kind of know what's going to happen. Now and like I look at like the Bengals have had their breakthrough, Bearcats footballs had their breakthrough. The Bearcats haven't really had that breakthrough on the hardwood since '92. All we've known is heartbreak, and now they struggle to win in the regular season. All right, we're going to wrap things up here in just a few minutes. Bearcats in the draft. Draft starts tomorrow. We'll get to that. So, guys, last year, the Bearcats had nine players selected, most in program history, third most in college football last year, behind only Georgia and LSU. I think so. Yeah, Georgia and LSU. I thought it was Bama. And Georgia had 15. Okay. And Georgia had 15, so, Okay. This year, the Bearcats have six players in the draft and Dane Brugler's The Beast, which is his annual draft guide. So where are we expecting these six Bearcats to land if they get drafted? Which teams do we want to see draft them? Like, what's the best fit for them this weekend? Um, I'll, I mean, we can start with uh, Tyler Scott, I guess. He's probably, I think, a third-round pick. Um I'm trying to think of like, I think Indy would be a good spot for him. You pair him with, with Alec Pierce and they're going to have a, a new quarterback, um, you know, in the, in this draft. So um, he's probably a maybe second, probably third round guy. Um, I don't know if you guys, what if you had any thoughts on that, Frank or Sean? I mean, it'd be great if he was, I think he's a steal for any team. If you want to, if you need a receiver to help your offense take it, take the top off a of defense. I think Tyler Scott can be that guy for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Indy is an interesting place. I hadn't thought about them, um, you know, because they're kind of a mess right now. The way with their quarterback situation, yeah. the way they've kind of been jumping ship with guys. They don't have a franchise QB, um, and they're probably not going to get one for a while unless they trade for somebody, maybe for Lamar Jackson, who that whole situation with Lamar is a whole other topic. Um, but speaking of Lamar Jackson, I think Baltimore would be potentially yeah. a good fit for Tyler Scott. Um, I think because, you know, he, Lamar talked about, oh, I want, uh, who do you say he wanted? He said he wanted OBJ and D-Hop, right? Yeah. Tyler yeah. Scott to, to Lamar is a kind of a no-name, but would not be a bad weapon for him to have because we know Tyler Scott is actually faster than Trey Tucker, which can potentially make him a bigger threat on the field. You know, speed's not everything. You got to have agility. You got to be able to run routes. You got to be able to know the offense and all kinds of stuff. Um, Ultimately, football IQ is kind of what wins you games. Um, Obviously, mixed with athleticism. Um, But I think Baltimore would be a good fit. I could see him going as late as the fifth round 
but I think he'll go earlier than that personally. Um, for Trey Tucker, I think he'll go later than Tyler Scott. I don't know how much later. Again, I think the latest he would go would probably be the fifth round, maybe the sixth round. Um, and there's a lot of places that I think would suit Trey Tucker. I mean, again, he's another speedy receiver. He's not as tall as Tyler Scott, but he's just slightly slower by like just a just a fraction. Um, so he'd be a good or he'd be a really good boundary receiver uh, as well. Um, you know, so I I don't know what would be a good place because I'm not totally filled in on all 32 organizations and what their needs are for the offseason. But um, there's definitely more than enough places that can use speedy receivers for sure, like Tyler Scott and Trey right. Tucker. Anybody could use like a Trey Tucker. I feel like. Yeah, he's a guy that's just like you—you're gonna get him probably fifth or sixth round, and it's like he could be like a luxury item as a returner or like a slot guy. That's why, like, I think he'd be perfect in Kansas. City. I think he'd be, he'd be perfect in Kansas City. Mm. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but man, I could see him <laughs> yeah. of just yeah, like he's just perfect. Chief. Denver, maybe even could be. Yeah, they're, they're like hurting the, for Yeah, like here. the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs need another weapon for their offense so I, I think I, I think the same way <laughs> the same way we're talking what you say Zach it's just a luxury piece they don't need him but they're yeah, just like exactly. yeah we'll just have all of them we'll take well them I think I, I think to the points that you guys are making about Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott I think the same can be said about Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor I think every team could use a tight end like that even if they're not their tight end one they could be that nice you know second tight end in case something happens to your first tight end it's a nice depth piece as well now let's go to the defensive side, like Ivan Pace. Like, where do we see him fitting in? Because, you know, he's not the biggest linebacker in the world, but he's certainly one of the most athletic linebackers that we've seen come through Cincinnati. So, like, where do we see him going? Like, what, like when yeah. in the draft, where do we see him going? Which team? And, like, can he make an impact in the NFL? I think Ivan Pace is, like, a fourth, fifth-round guy. Um, I think just his size is probably going to hurt him draft stock wise, but he's a football player. You know, I, I hate the cliches, but he's just a football player. Um, I hate to say he reminds me of like a Steelers linebacker or maybe even like a Baltimore linebacker, but I could see them potentially. Um, I could see them being interested. Um, but like, you know, I, I don't know. It, I think he might, he might be with his size, it could potentially hurt maybe uh, depending on what style of defense a team plays, there might be a, not as many fits uh, and he'll get drafted, but I'm just curious as, as to like with the size, like how would teams use him? Cause he's just a little bit smaller. Um, but I think he's a football player. I think Ivan Pace could be really, you know, an under undervalued guy. Yeah. When I, when I think of him, he's nasty. He's, he's tough. I think of like a, Unfortunately, I think of a Steelers kind of linebacker. I hope I'm wrong, but what, I don't know. Remember when we all feared Desmond Ritter was going to go to Pittsburgh last year? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a – the bullet dodge on that one. Thank God. Yeah, really. Yeah. And now he's yeah. Falcons. Yeah, QB1 down there. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I don't know if it's just – because I remember back in this previous season um, – a lot of announcers talked about Ivan Pace. Ivan Pace, Ivan Pace, Ivan Pace, and rightfully so. He's a darn good football player, and he is an absolute monster between the lines. Dude can blitz you, and you won't even see it coming, and he'll absolutely wreck you if you're not careful. Um, 
He can get in the backfield and he can mess things up. And a lot of announcers talked about him saying he's like kind of a first round, second round guy, um, at least from what I remember. And they could be right. They could be wrong. Again, I'm not a draft expert, um, but I could see him going as high as the, as the second round, maybe even the first round towards the tail end. Um, but I would say second or third round is probably about where I would guess he would go. Um, and I think whoever gets him could, you know, they could end up being a really, really lucky team. You know, I mean, when you think about defense, uh, you you think of the two teams that Zach just mentioned, at least for AFC North fans, and that's the Ravens and the Steelers, uh, two organizations that have always been known to play very, very tough, gritty defensive line, tough linebacker type defense, just very staunt defensive players and you know I, I i would see him going to a place that values defense a lot i don't think he's going to go to like san francisco i think san francisco's got more than enough defensive guys uh to you know take care of business out there so i don't see him going there um but maybe the chargers could use him uh i i don't know I, I think he's a second or third round guy, though. I'm, and maybe that's just me being optimistic. But I think he's—I think he's that good of a football player. Yeah, I—I I, I love the optimism, Sean. I really do. And I, you know, I think he's going to make an impact wherever he goes because linebackers are smaller nowadays. You don't have to be, you know, the big linebacker that we used to see, like a a Willie McGinnis or a Brian Urlacher or Ray Lewis. I mean, you can be a smaller linebacker, like a more athletic kind of guy, which is what Ivan Pace is. I mean, now you certainly wouldn't want to see him in the AFC North if you're a Bengals fan like all of us. But at the end of the day, he's getting a draft at somewhere. He's going to make an impact. I do believe that. And, you know, the the hype around him was real. Excuse me. Last year when he came over from Miami to Cincinnati, we, we saw exactly – I mean, we saw exactly the kind of player that we thought the Bearcats were going to get. Well, this was fun, gentlemen. Um, by the way, one quick thing. I, 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 Sean, I don't know if you know this or Zach. Like, I was trying to find earlier today or yesterday, the time of this before this recording, if there's like a book on on this day in Bearcats history or University of Cincinnati history or on this day in Cincinnati history. Like, I, I I kept trying to find something. Do you guys know if there is anything like that? No, but let's start writing. <laughs> hey, hey yeah. I'm all in. I do I know was, was going to say there is a book, and his name is Lance McAllister. Yeah. That man has yes. all the history. Yeah, the yeah. This day in history. Yeah, this yeah. day. He, he, so. For those who haven't listened, and Sean, you make a great point, Lance McAllister, every night on the Kelsey Chevrolet Extra Innings or during the baseball season, does an On This Day in Reds history, and then he does the best player born, the best baseball player born on this day. It is fascinating. I do know this. Born on this day, April. Yes, fantastic. Born on this day, April 26th, James Wiggins. Born on this day, April 26th of 1996, former Bearcats safety James Wiggins played three seasons for Cincinnati. Highest number of tackles in a season was 36 in 2018. That year, he also had four interceptions, and he returned one to the house. That was against SMU. He had Mm -hmm. 25 tackles in 2020 after missing 2019 with a torn ACL. 
and he had one interception to make five for his career. He was drafted in the seventh round, 243rd overall by the Arizona Cardinals, James Wiggins, better known as the Freak. The Freak. Yeah, he was awesome. The Freak. Yep. Love Wiggins. One of my favorite I, players to cover. I remember when uh, we were it was we were getting ready for Lou Fickle's third season. I'll never forget yep. that first practice of the week leading up to UCLA. It was a rainy day. Uh, it was kind of drizzling out, but it was wet. And I remember they were doing wide receiver one-on-one drills in the end zone that I used to film from, which was the stadium view end zone. Um, they were the north end zone, if you will. Yeah. And I remember him kind of running a bit of a corner route, and that was when he got injured, and that you know, changed his career, I think, forever. Yeah, totally changed him because he was—I mean, he was the freak. That was James Wiggins, yeah. and that. That changed everything, you know. Then, then you started to get to know who Javon Hicks was. That's where Javon Hicks right. came from, was because of that injury. So, and Javon he was a ball, Hicks. he was a yeah. ball hog that year. He was a ball magnet. He was Javon Hicks, Brian Cook, Arquan Bush. A lot of guys who have been drafted. A lot of guys who you could see drafted or in the pros eventually. But and you know what's crazy about that, Sean? Is I don't know if you know this, but James Wiggins tried to come back for the conference title game that year in Memphis. Really, he did. I do remember that. Yeah. We found that out, and then he retore his ACL because he. I think he oh. either tripped or fell downstairs. I mm. read that in one of Justin Williams' pieces mm. in the Athletic. Guys, I wish we had more time, but um, Sean McMahon, producer of iHeart Media, Cincinnati, Zach Freeze from the Freeze Frame Podcast, Rally Pad Podcast, and Pro Football Focus. Guys, as always, thank you, and uh, we'll do it again maybe next week or sometime for sure down the road. Thanks to you. For making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Back tomorrow with a look at Bearcats in the draft. And remembering the Bearcats 2022 draft class one year later. Sauce Gardner going number four overall. And then Desmond Ritter now the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Also tomorrow afternoon, Russ Heldman joins me for a live room previewing the Bearcats in the NFL draft. As well as a haste of other topics. Guys, this has been fun. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore 92 ends and an ATI Instagram, Alex Frank, nine underscore email, Alex three Frank at gmail.com. We're back tomorrow right here in lockdown America. It's part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Sean, Zach, thanks to you guys for joining me. Have a great rest of your Wednesday back tomorrow right here on lockdown Bearcats. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.